If you can't take a year off and do something that you're really motivated to do, really, what's the point of working hard? Well, ladies and gentlemen, there's a lot of truth to that. Now, these are the words of my guest speaker, John Wegman. He joins me today in this episode of the World of Work of the Wild podcast. And he's going to be talking about his own personal and professional journey. And actually, as you will listen to the episode, those words were the words of his wife, who ultimately nudged him and really encouraged him to take that step and to pivot careers and to go back to studying or to do what he loves to do and where he thinks the future lies in order to be able to repurpose himself in the market in the future. So who is John Wegman? He's got over 20 years of industry experience. As you can imagine, he's held key leadership roles within large enterprises. He's grown up that career ladder to vice president, managing director, head of strategy. His background is a materials engineer. He has an MBA as well. And then last year, he decided, actually in 2021, he decided to pursue a master's degree in AI and robotics. Why? You'll get to hear throughout the course of this episode. So let's tune into the conversation. John, welcome. Welcome to the World of Work podcast. Thanks. It is wonderful to have you. Would love to get maybe just like a first round of, you know, tell us your world of work, how that has changed, how you've pivoted from, you know, very successful executive to now something different, equally successful, I have no doubts. <laughs> but it would be wonderful to share that and, and we'll take it and we'll take it from there. Yeah, cool. Um, I, I mean, so I, I think the the motivation for me uh, for me to really kind of make the pivot was was kind of this accelerating pace of technology, right? Um, and and we'll, we can talk about digitization and you know machine learning and all these things um, as you like. But what I saw was um, the rate of rate of change was really starting to outrun the understanding, um, you know, kind of at a senior level, um, and. Uh, and I, I think that drives, you know, um, abbreviated business decisions, or you rely more on consultants, or you have to take more time to see things, and on and on. Um, and it was kind of a gap in the market uh, that uh, that I detected. So, um, so I, I left my I left my executive role, and uh, I went back to school as a master's student at uh, the technical technical university here in uh, Switzerland, which was uh, quite humbling. Um, mm -hmm. Be a student again, uh, you know, for a variety of reasons, um, uh, but. Uh, but really, the idea was to uh, was to be able to to be able to talk technology and understand it at a deeper level to drive better business decisions. Because I think, I mean, there's all these horror stories about projects that you know go off the rails and uh, end up costing you know way more and and on and on and on. Right. That's and and definitely, I would like to explore that topic uh, a bit further with you in terms of you know the the whole technology and how it's driving. Um, sometimes in a chaotic way, it seems, um, also business decisions or, you know, taking, taking, perhaps jumping on that bandwagon because it's trendy because everybody's going in that direction, but that perhaps it may not even be suiting the business that, uh, you know, people are in. So definitely would like to explore that a bit further, uh, but before going into that, tell me a little bit about how, you know, what led you to, what was that inner, uh, if you will, trigger point that led you to say, well, you know what, I really want, I really, this is, I want something as well different, or I want to take a break and go deeper in technology. That's wonderful. What, what other elements would you say kind of led you to that? What thought process? Uh, I think, or was it a spontaneous think, moment of saying, you know, uh, what, I'm kind of, 
You know, I, I think there were there was two or three swim lanes um, that were uh, that were kind of leading up to it. Um, uh, and, you know, I think one was I'd kind of been in the same industry for about 10, 12 years uh, and um, mapped my future going forward and thought, you know, if I stick around for another five or six years, I'll, I'll be there for the rest of my life. Um, I, and that really wasn't uh, it was comfortable, um, but, you know, it, it was it was becoming one dimensional. Um, so, uh, cause you get in routines, right. You're in an industry, you know, the lingo, you know, the people. And, um, so I, I think that was one thing. Um, the, uh, the, the, uh, the second swim lane was really the, what I mentioned before was the technology, uh, was, was really picking up pace. Um, and, uh, I'll come to my trigger moment with that in a second. And then the third was personal. Um, you know, I, I'd kind of been in 2019, I did 152 plane flights, uh, which wow. you know, from, <laughs> from an environmental standpoint, I'm certainly not proud of. Um, but, you know, I, I think uh, um, watching the kids grow up and wanting to spend more time at home, uh, you know, was a motivation. We have our, our two oldest are girls uh, and my wife and I thought it would be cool to to kind of switch it up a bit and uh, um, and, and kind of break this classical model of the, the mother's always home and the father's always working because uh, we, we wanted to set a good example for them as well. But um, so there was kind of all this stuff that was leading into it. But the trigger point was we were working with a, a major technology company um, uh, on a project. Uh, and we I'd always kind of fancied myself a bit of a digital expert. Um, and uh, um, we the company had always positioned itself as kind of experts in digital transformation uh, and working with, a, you know, kind of a deep tech company opened my eyes as to kind of how far, at least personally behind I was in, in technology understanding. And and I and I played that forward again, you know, another ten years, and I didn't want to be kind of the old old executive who you know everybody kind of talked around the sides because it's like he doesn't understand anything. Right. Um, and um, and I actually enrolled at ETH uh, while I was working, uh, and uh, um, and was doing it in parallel for uh, for about eight or nine months, and, and then realized uh, uh, you know this this is a lot of fun, uh, and it was. It was a three-year program, and my wife said, "You know, she said, why don't you just, you know, crunch it down into a year and uh, um, and really focus on it because you're really enjoying it." So, uh, so that's what we did. Um, uh, the decision we took. Uh, most days, it seems like it was a good one, uh, but I, but it hasn't been easy. Uh, you know, there's been days too where I was like, "Ooh, maybe uh, maybe this was the greatest idea." <laughs> Well, there are lots of uh, things that triggered my mind, actually, when you were speaking. One of them made me smile when you were saying, I don't want to be perceived as one of those, you know, old executives that all the, the younger ones are kind of like speaking about and saying, oh, John, he's so behind <laughs> when it comes exactly. to exactly. technology. He's got really no clue what he's talking about, because it reminds me often, even in our function and the people function, nature function, whenever you would implement, you know, whatever software um that would upgrade technically the um the the processes and make them more efficient and, and so on and so forth it, it really is a humbling moment uh, and for some of the older folks or even the young ones who are not versed in technology you you could be very embarrassed you know like even just basic excel skills sometimes it's a bit like oh you, you don't even know how to operate excel so it's it's important i think that sense of leadership has also changed in time what i mean by that is you know in in the past it was kind of okayish not to be expected to uh, to actually put your hands in a lot of technological things. Why? Because you had a team that would handle that. But the name of the game today is you actually also need to speak digital, meaning in my view, right? You need to 
have that basics of that understanding because it's a little bit like English. It's become the new universal language. And, and without that, there really, really is the risk of uh, not being not being up to the task, you know, um, of being able to relate to others, even when it comes to digital. Yeah, I think um, there's, there's a few points there. I think they're really relevant. One is I think the definition of leadership's changed, right? And leaders are expected not to lead from the front every single time, um, but you know, uh, but you you need to be kind of a player coach, or you know, you need to be able to step into that team member role, or at least carry enough credibility in front of customers, in front of your team, uh, you know, that people say this is somebody I can respect and this is somebody that I'll follow. Uh, and um, uh, and on the you know on the tech side, you know, you've got you've got digital natives that have uh, you know that are very very tech savvy and very um, you know have a lot of acumen in a lot of different areas. But um, you know, also because of the time function, you know, the uh, maybe not as business savvy and haven't been through several business cycles of up and downs. And I think there's a, you know there's definitely there's definitely a bridge to build there. I, I think you know to extract more value or to make businesses more successful. Um, but it was humbling. I mean, we um, one of the classes I took we, we were programming uh, machine learning uh, machine learning algorithm, and I'm not a coder, and um, you know our code was always due on Monday. And Sundays I'd be sweating, you know, like literally just <laughs> trying to make it work. And, uh, you know, like eight or nine hours, right? These weren't, these weren't small projects. And, you know, maybe let's say I wrote a hundred lines of code and it worked and I'd be super proud. And then we'd have to present it the next day. Uh, and, you know, the, uh, the instructor would be like, well, that's great. But, you know, you could have done this in 15 lines and got the same result. <laughs> so, um, but, but having to struggle through that, I think, gives you a, a, a perspective and a depth that, uh, you know, that, that you might normally not have. Absolutely. And also understanding what's really happening in the background uh, behind all of these programs, which does lead me to, to some of the questions I've had to the previous guests as well about, you know, digital at the end of the day is the translation of a human behavior or a human, uh, let's say, objective intention into a code so that it simplifies certain processes, puts information together, et cetera, and it spits out a fantastic, you know, um, result or combination of things, right? But it does require coding. I mean, it's it's a language uh, behind it. And, and, and I would like to get your views on how you see that impacting um, as well the world of work when it comes to number one, you know, the human jobs as such, because some of them will be replaced, will be changed, and will change. Uh, and how do you see that kind of shaping? And also, more specifically, related to literally the world of employment um, in terms of this wonderful matching combination. Hey, John, what a wonderful profile. You're taking all the boxes when it comes to the experience that we're looking for. But perhaps, you know, if you want to pivot your career, like you said you wanted to, in the sense you no longer want to stay in that one sector and moving vertically up, but also, you know, open yourself up to other uh, opportunities. Well, LinkedIn and other algorithms don't necessarily uh, value that or don't necessarily capture that in the way that, you know, people would like it to be captured to to provide that diversity. So these two dimensions, I'd, I'd really love to hear your views. Yeah, uh, I mean, there's a lot. To, there's a lot. There's to a unpack. lot. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So let me uh, let me try and uh, kind of structure my answer in a sensible way. So I, I think from a technology standpoint, um, we're kind of in a we've got the pandemic and then we've got a lot of emerging technologies that are really starting to accelerate. And I think we're still kind of in the 
I would say in the cheap calorie phase, right? Where it's like, you know, you, you type something into chat GPT and magic happens, right? Um, and I, I don't think the gaps in the LLMs and the other, you know, and the other parts of the algorithms are really widely understood yet. Uh, and mm -hmm. uh, I think people are, um, you know, rightly so, uh, you know, kind of fascinated by, by what these things can do. Um, but not really, um, it's kind of like getting in a car and just turning, turning mm -hmm. the ignition and it's like, it goes, uh, you know, but actually understanding the engine, the transmission, you know, all of these things, I, I think we, we're not there yet. Um, I think that in a second phase, I think that will lead to, uh, you know, a, a, a lot of application of the technology to try and reduce costs, uh, you know, extract value. Um, and I think we'll probably overshoot on the, on the human side. Uh, um, and then, There'll be a cycle, whether it's, you know, 18 months or a year or two, where it'll kind of come back, you know, the, the, the gaps will start to be documented and people will understand, you know, where the limitations are. So I think there's kind of a three phase, uh, you know, over the next, you know, three to four years. And I think we're still in, in, in kind of that early phase. Um, you know, what does it mean from a, uh, you know, from, you know, uh, I would say a career standpoint or, you know, to, to answer your question there. I do think, you know, algorithms are, uh, um, you know, they're, they work, um, but they work with limitations, right? Just like a car works on a road, um, uh, you know, uh, pretty well. But when you go off road, you know, unless you've got a purpose built vehicle, you know, it, it's not a, it's not as good a fit. And I think, um, you know, even I've seen, I've seen that in my experience with LinkedIn, you know, um, uh, like I'll, I'll sit down and write what I think is some pretty good content. Uh, and, you know, maybe it gets a few thousand views, uh, you know, and which I guess is not bad. Um, but, you know, equally when, you know, a few weeks ago I was, uh, I was in Japan and, uh, and just kind of posted a thing with, uh, you know, about robots in Japan and it was kind of very general. And I think that got almost 10,000 views. Uh, and, um, it's kind of the algorithms are still rewarding, at least what for me was less content and more style or more uh, whatever you want to call it. So I think I think that's a challenge. And I think that translates into, you know, if you're a job seeker, uh, you know, how do you position yourself? Um, are you positioning yourself, uh, you know, versus an algorithm? Uh, is a human going to see things, um, you know, if, if it goes through an you know, uh, applicant tracking system or ATS or, uh, um, you know, or some other sort of technology tool? I mean, there's, um, uh, I was actually looking last night, there's a great resource that, that's keeping up with all of the AI generated uh, um, job seeking things. And you can write your cover letter, you can, uh, mm -hmm, you can have mm -hmm. your CV match to a job description and all of this. And, um, you know, it's kind of an arms race between the technology from both sides of things. And for me, that's, that's great, but it's missing the does this human being have the right skills and is in the right place to have the maximum impact in this role? Right. I, I think that question is still is still kind of being circumvented and you need humans, you know, in that process to do it. And let me add, if I may on that, it's I believe it's more than the right skills. And that is one of the things that um, it's very difficult to capture through technology. And that's why, you know, the, the human will always be part of that process. Because as we're moving towards, you know, a, a, a very hectic and like the, the shelf life of our skills, I think it was the CHRO of IBM at the time that said, uh, you know, the food we buy at the supermarket has a longer shelf life than our skills do. And, and, and the fact of the matter is that, you know, if we keep running behind skills, which is great, you know, but we're always running behind skills. So it's also the, the mindset and that learning agility that we keep talking about. So 
how is this person able and capable of pivoting and of learning first time situations and first time situations you know of course the intellectual horsepower needs to be there but it's not enough you know it's also what's fueling that individual what's driving that individual and yeah at the end of the day nobody wants to work with um I'm not going to say the word nobody wants to work with <laughs> arrogant uh colleagues so it's this other component that makes us so human right that that of course an algorithm will not you know be able to to capture so it kind of goes to that first layer you know that gatekeeping in out yeah because it's ticking 60 percent of the boxes um but I've noticed and with all due respect to engineers that that's good enough sometimes because you know what hey I, <laughs> I don't want that rather remaining 40%, 60% is good enough. And, and so they use tests, they use sometimes even psychometric tests, because oh, maybe I'll get that other 40% through these tests. And then I'm just going to go through a matching kind of thing. Yeah, I'm going to see the person and say, yeah, 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 you, 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 you're going to do just fine. And six months down the road, maybe the person doesn't even like to be in that environment in the first place, it kind of goes both ways. Um, so I guess my message is also a reassuring one. I want to reassure people that um, the human is still going to be a fundamental component when it comes to decision-making. I want to work with John or I don't want to work with John or John wants to work with me or he does not based on that level of deeper comprehension that goes beyond skills. Yeah, no, I think uh, I, I think that's right. Um, I, I, I think it's many years away before an algorithm, uh, let's say there's enough data generated by our, our humanness for an algorithm to, you know, to, to get that, you know, more right than wrong. Um, and I mean, you, you said 60%, you know, it, it may be 20, you know, it may be 70. I, I think it just depends, yeah, on that. depends on the situation. So I think we're, I think we're a long way for that. And we're trying to kind of figure out, uh, you know, the right, uh, the right way to, uh, to maneuver through that. Um, and, I, like I said, I think we'll get it more wrong than right in the near term, and then and then it'll uh, it'll balance out. Um, it was funny you mentioned though, um, you know, skills, and I had I had dinner with a um, with a former colleague uh, last week, and uh, and he's an internal audit uh, in a very senior role, but he was articulating to me how he gets pulled into um, to you know a lot more HR related discussions um, just because he's perceived as a very Kind of neutral and wise uh, resource in the business, and uh, I said, you know, um, if you say if you say audit, you know, um, a lot of people just kind of glaze over. But you know, I, I think that's kind of a cool way of of branching out and being useful, you know, in different scenarios within within the same organization. Absolutely, absolutely. Which which reminds me of the other question I wanted to ask you as well about your colleagues or the reaction they had in, in the previous call we had, you know, that. Um, some of them afterwards came to you and said, "Hey, John, how did you? <laughs> how did you do it? How's life on the other side?" <laughs> yeah, yeah it, it, this, it, this it's kind of like, yeah, sorry. Uh, no, I, I think there's, I think there's kind of this, this like surface talk track layer that we all work across, right? And uh, you know, uh, uh, where things are fine, uh, you know, uh, the, um, you know, the business is taking over. You know, I'm doing fine. Uh, you know, usual challenges, uh, but you stay positive. Uh, but what really surprised me was, um, you know, not just with not just with colleagues, but also, you know, people, I, you know, friends, um, you know, classmates, uh, people I interacted with, um, you know, they kind of came to me like one on one, like out of a group setting, everything was, or in a group setting, everything was fine. One on one, they'd come to me and, you know, 
I'm miserable. I want to get out of what I'm doing. Like, how did you do this? Uh, because I want to do the same thing. And and uh, um, and there's really, like I said, there's no, there was no one thing that that motivated it. It was kind of the the cumulative effect of a lot of things. Um, and and it was scary. Uh, and you know, it remains scary. You know. Uh, I kind of know where I want to go and I know where the market's telling me, uh, you know, and those two, those two circles aren't necessarily aligned. And I think you need to, um, you know, you need to reconcile that somehow, you know, um, yeah, in, in a few different ways, but, um, but yeah, I was really surprised uh, by the number of people that kind of came out of the woodwork and like, you know, can I just talk to you about this because I'm miserable at my job um, and, you know, what do I need to do to get out of this? And, I'm kind of like you just do it right it's uh uh it's uh you know, just just think nike um and uh you know there's risks and i think uh one of the things that is challenging is the what you give up is easy to measure right i'm giving up a, a steady income um you know i'm giving up uh you know status uh you know with my title and all of this i think what you gain is much is much harder to measure at least on over the same time frame so, you know, um, uh, you know, how do you put a value on refreshing your skills, which might be, you know, uh, they might really come to a head and really pay off for you at five years down the road. Um, you know, how do you measure? Well, I've spent, you know, uh, a, a year at home with uh, with my kids, you know, at a very formative age, you know, um, having that parental balance, you know, maybe, uh, you know, maybe hopefully makes them, you know, a little bit better human beings or, you know, a little bit better equipped to do, uh, you know, to to handle whatever the future may bring and but you can't measure that right so everything you're giving up you can measure and you say oh this is terrible and everything you gain is is more intangible at least over the same time frame and i think that that makes it really daunting um and uh, uh i think if you can if you can kind of reconcile that in your head then it's 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 like kind of a no brainer and how did you do that? Because of course that's the that's the million dollar question. It's a bit like John, <laughs> tell us your strategy. Yeah, because... I mean, you just you just have to kind of you just kind of have to keep coming at the problem from different directions, right? It's it's kind of like shining a flashlight, you know, into a room different ways, and you kind of you kind of see the shadows and you kind of see the object there, uh, you know, after after several times, um, and you have to take the the sum of all of those perspectives and really say you know what's important to me uh you know and uh and i think you know that's not kind of a one day you know thought process or you know uh um, you need, like i talked to a lot of people and kind of said you know what do you think about this and uh and i think you just kind of have to you have to shine the light in the room enough to be able to see what's there sharply enough um and if you only look at it, let's say, you know, from a career progression or an income standpoint, you know, that's that's one that's only one light in the room. Um, and uh, uh, so it's very iterative. And, and um, you know, I, I think you also have to hold the mirror up to yourself and, and, and kind of say, you know, how important is my job title to me? You know, uh, you know, I can pick up the phone and get, you know, lots of people, you know, answering just based on my title. You know, is that is that something that really motivates me or not? Uh, and uh, um, and I think that that's, uh, you know, that's also a very personal and, you know, deep reflection about kind of who you are as a person, um, you know, uh, uh, so Absolutely. Absolutely. It's, 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 it's a long, uh, a long and drawn out process. Um, but, uh, uh, but I think it my is. wife, my, my, my wife was the catalyst because she, uh, she said to me one evening, um, she said, look, she said, if you can't take a year off and do something that you're really motivated to do, really, what's the point of working hard? 
Uh, and, uh, um, and and like I, I think when she said that it was it kind of like everything was done then. Um, and uh, I think you need people around you that are going to challenge you uh, and you know give you perspective. I mean, I talked to some good friends that are you know partners at executive search firms, and they're like, do not do this, right? Because anybody's going to look at a career break and say, oh, you know, what's happening here? There's more behind the story, and so on and so on. So um, I, I think you need to challenge yourself if you surround yourself with people that only have one perspective. Uh, you know, you're you're really going to uh, uh, you're really going to kind of not get a good uh, not get a good outcome, right? Or you're going to get their outcome as opposed yes, to yours. Exactly. You know, that's the exactly. other thing, which is uh, it's wonderful to 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 get advice, but at the same time, um, being true to yourself is equally important, and listening to yourself is equally important, and to having the courage to kind of follow a little bit that gut. And, and you know, you said a lot of precious things in um, in these couple of minutes. And one of them definitely is the fact that you really need to be very mindful of where you're at in your career, where you're at in your personal life, um, your financials, your whole ecosystem that's going to be supporting you eventually to make sure you have that. Um, because, you know, moving away from a known path into something else, uh, of course, it's, it's you who's going to do it. But you're not going to do it alone, you know, because whatever decision you take, it's going to be impacting the entourage, you know, the people around you, your family, your friends, etc. So, you know, making sure that's kind of covered. And then the other thing is we change in time. So maybe, you know, 10 years ago, it may have been really important that the title, the status to be recognized as somebody in the traditional sense of the word. And I'm recognized as somebody when I become a VP or when I become a senior VP or even more a CEO. Wow, fantastico. <laughs> and maybe you fast forward 15 years down the road, you're like, mm, that's gone now. It's not as important as it used to be. Yeah, I, I think that's I think that's right, Paola. And, um, you know, a, a lot of the feedback I've had is I've talked to, you know, different leaders and, you know, it's, um, the, it's really just been one of perspective, right? It's like, where do you see yourself today versus tomorrow or next year versus in five or 10 years? And um, and can you project yourself, you know, five years or 10 years in advance? And um, it's kind of a muscle that I, I think that, you know, with today's world where there's a million different things going on and all these new externalities and, and on and on and on, I think it's really hard to kind of take a step back and say, you know, what do I look like in five years? What do I look like in 10 years? When I was earlier in my career, I, I led a strategy group and I was really fortunate um, to interact with some brilliant strategy minds. And one of the uh, one of the things that we learned in a business setting, but I think is also uh, you know applicable personally, is is kind of this idea of scenario planning. And it's in the example that, that stuck with me was, you know, if you were, you know, 500 years ago, setting out to sail from Europe to, uh, you know, North America or the Americas, um, you know, there's kind of these things that you'd know because the, the route was not planned and the navigation was not good. Um, so, uh, you know, but you knew you'd take food and water uh, and uh, and, you know, you might end up in the, you know, in the North North America and be cold or you might end up in South America. Um, and um, but you knew that you would have to pack the food and water and then you kind of work your way back through all of these other commonalities. And then you get to the do I pack the winter parka or do I pack my swimsuit? Right. Uh, and. And I think that if you think about your career the same way and say, you know, what skills are going to be important, you know, in five or 10 years, well, you know, ask 100 people and you get a thousand answers. Uh, but there are a lot of commonalities that you can say, you know, what can I do today that will have a bigger influence down the road? And, and, and 
I think when you when you have the headspace to think about that, which again is really hard to generate with a million things flying around, um, you know that that view becomes a bit easier in the future. And the decisions you take today are very clear, right? You pack your food and water um, because, as, as you say, you end up, you know, um, businesses restructure or whatever, and you're 20 years in a similar role in, in, in an industry that may be in decline, uh, you know, and you're, you know, you're out of food and you're on your last drink of water, and that's not a great position to be in. Definitely not a great position to be in. You've got to have that food and water. You've got to have your essentials in order to survive. And I would dare say you also need to thrive in your world of work. So do tune in to part two of my conversation with John. And by the way, I am seriously considering of launching some career retreats for executives in order to provide a little bit that headspace and a little bit that method, that thinking method on how do you go about reconsidering maybe your career or maybe even transforming your professional journey at some stage in your life. So more to come. And in the meantime, do take care as always.